Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to our journey. If you are new on the journey, if you are new to homeschooling or unschooling or looking for a different form of learning for your family and looking to create that, you've come to the right place. And if you are a veteran, if you've been along this journey with us for quite a while, you're welcome as well. And I know for me, as someone who has been unschooling or home educating for almost nine years now, I still love hearing the stories of inspiration. I still get encouragement, but also great knowledge when I listen to others and their journey. And there's always unique things that I can take away. There's always wonderful knowledge that others can impart. So I hope this provides that for you. So today's episode is a wonderful one, but first I want to talk about a few things. I think most of you know how to find me. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Clubhouse. Just look for Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, and be in contact with me. On Clubhouse is a bit different. It's an audio, fully, fully audio platform. It's a great way to connect, though, and ask questions. It's almost like hosting the podcast, but everyone's in the room with me. Sometimes I feel it's like having friends over in my living room and we're all hanging out, talking about homeschooling and unschooling, asking questions and being involved in the discussion. So that's been a great format for there. So if you're interested in joining any of those platforms or connecting with me on there, please do so. If you need a Clubhouse invite, just let me know. I have been offering invites to my listeners, listeners of the show, to homeschoolers and unschoolers. So I'm more than happy to share share those invites as well. And the other thing I wanted to share today is about a wonderful homeschooling and unschooling summit that I'm part of. It's called the Conscious Homeschooling Summit 2021. And it will launch on July the 14th. And I was honored to be a guest on that summit. Devani Freeman was the organizer. And we actually got together to talk all about home educating with purpose and how to really make those decisions on the choices we want to make and homeschooling or unschooling, even choosing curriculum, what we really need, what answers do we need in order to answer those questions. Uh, so I hope you can join me on that summit, summit and hear all about what I was sharing and the information that I was imparting based on the experiences that have helped me best over the years. Uh, the summit itself has many other wonderful speakers, and the aim of the summit is to help equip families with the confidence, wisdom, and inspiration to step out of the educational system and pave their path, their own path, to raise wise, happy, and liberated children. And I think that's pretty fantastic, don't you? Imagine a world where everyone was raised to be wise, happy, and liberated. That would make for a very wonderful world. So July the 14th, and if you go to my show notes, you can find the links to register and find out more. So please do so. I know you're going to love it. Now, as for this episode, let's get into this episode. And I think Isabel is a great person to match with this summit as well. Isabel Robledo is a 17-year-old mindfulness coach and co-founder of Making Mindfulness Fun. And the great thing about having Isabel on the show is that, you know, one of the questions that I've been answering lately that I we do get is how, you know, for us, our family, how do we have the confidence to unschool when there's so many other um, messages that we get around us? 
And one of the things that always helps me is hearing the stories of others, especially hearing from young people that have grown up unschooling or home educating or living their own unique journey. And when Isabel reached out to me, I was, I knew, I knew I wanted to, to definitely connect and have her on the show because she is someone who has done that herself. She, um, she and her family have been living in an RV for the past six years. They are world schoolers, full-time travelers, um, unschoolers, and Isabel is really living her life of purpose. So it's great to hear from someone who is, you know, he's living that life, who has that experience and is joyful and really pursuing something that she's passionate about and that also serves others really well too. So enjoy the episode. You can contact Isabel through Instagram. I recommend that at keepitmindful.kids uh, or her website, makingmindfulnessfun.com. And definitely reach out to Isabel, connect with what she's doing. You may have young ones in your family that she would be a great mentor to, to support as well. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Have a great day, everyone. So welcome. Today I have Isabel Robledo joining me on the show today, and I'm really excited to chat with Isabel. Isabel, welcome on to the show. Happy to be here. <laughs> so Isabel Robledo is a 17-year-old kids mindfulness coach and co-founder of Making Mindfulness Fun. She's helping kids and teens to be confident and creative using mind mindfulness. She's been living in an RV for the past six years while traveling the world with her family of seven. She learned mindfulness from a very young age and believes that now more than ever, it's important to share what she's learned with our future generation. You can find her on Instagram at keepitmindful.kids or her website, makingmindfulnessfun.com. Welcome, Isabel. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me here, Robin. <laughs> so I actually, I, I want to actually go back and maybe we can start with a little bit of your family's journey because every family or person that comes on the show always has a unique learning journey. And that's what I always want to share with listeners is that, you know, you can really create your own and also that it's unique to each one of us. We have different experiences in life, different realities. Um, obviously, everyone has different personalities. And I think that's the beauty of home educating or unschooling or however you choose to, to learn and live or whatever you choose to call it. But I think Many of us who kind of get into the flow of things do that because we find the rhythm that uniquely fits us. So for your family, you guys have been on the road for quite a long time. Could you maybe go back and explain why your family decided to become road schoolers or world schoolers, why you decided to travel full time? Yeah. So my family always, since they, my parents first got married, they decided to start a gymnastics studio in San Diego. That's my hometown where I've always lived. And we always had basically the American dream. We had the big house. We had family over for family get togethers every weekend. My parents would hustle every day at work to pay the bills and have a successful business. And it was great. But then later on, when I was around 10, we were living in this beachfront house and we loved it. But we were also, my parents, my, especially my mom, my mom is really the spearhead for our way of living. She realized that 
I don't know. It's not really worth it. I love my life, but it's not quite fulfilling enough. I want more adventure. I love this life, but it's not quite, it's too much of a hustle. It's the American dream. I don't think is calling to me anymore. And so my mom was uh, surfing one day and she was like, what if we just went to Europe? What if we bought an RV? What if we traveled? And so we decided to try traveling in an RV for a few months and we fell in love with it. She fell in love with it. And so she, her brain, she's always been a questioner. She asked, why stop? And so that led to us committing to living in an RV. We bought an RV and just moved out of the house, sold the things we didn't need and stayed that way because we realized that we, yeah, we didn't want the hustle. We didn't want that anymore. We loved being by each other. We loved hiking. We loved being next to each other. We loved living in nature. So why live any differently? And so that's what really led to us living this way was that realization that why not? Why, why are we doing something that we don't want to do? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, which is, I think, something that many of us get um, caught up in or sacrifice to 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 uh, to do in so many ways, or or I don't want to say stuck, but sometimes it is we get a little bit stuck in that. So there's five kids in the family. You you have four other siblings. How was it? Your mom your mom was the catalyst for this change, but how was it for you? So you would have been you're 17 now. So that was you would have been was it 11 so. when around that age when? Yeah, I think I was about 11. So. I, I you lose track of the years easily. <laughs> to be honest, but I believe I was 11. And I'm, yeah, I'm the middle child of five. So most of the time you hear that the middle child, the rebellious one or the angsty one sometimes. (laughs) That was never me. That was my younger brother. I was just the easygoing one. I was always just, I would have been happy no matter what. I was happy in the beachfront house. But then when we moved into an RV, it really showed me what it was like to be more fulfilled. So when we first moved in, I was just like going with the flow. I was just excited to try something new. I was down for it. I was excited. I was like, yeah, why not? This sounds like fun. Yeah, sure. Go to the beach every day. Why not? Yeah, we want to go here. Okay, whatever. (laughs) So it was very much an easy process for me. It was easy for me to transition. It was especially because I was right at that age where I wasn't quite in my teen years, uh, more Mm -hmm. of my teen years. I didn't have much of that struggle of friends. But it did become, that was probably the hardest struggle, I think, for me was I did have some friends when I first moved into an RV. And being in an RV, as you probably know, changing lifestyles, being an unschooler, a homeschooler, makes you very different from your peers, makes you very different from the average person. And so yeah, when we moved into an RV, it, I my perspective on life changed so much. I was seeing such a different reality from my fellow teens, my peers. And so that kind of made me a bit of a black sheep. To, so that was probably the hardest struggle that my friends didn't know exactly how to see me, what to talk about with me. And our relationships grew a bit distance. But um, overall, the process was really awakening for me, really exciting for me, and really simple because it was... Um, it wasn't necessarily so much of a, oh, we have to do this. It was a, we want to do this. And so that made me set up my mindset for acceptance. And I just stepped into that new arena of living with such like a, a wonder. And it was just so exciting for me. Nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So were you going to school before 
your family decided to start in the RV or were you already homeschooling? I never went to school. I've been homeschooled my entire life. So I was already pretty different from my peers in the first place. <laughs> but yeah, I never went to school. Okay. And same with all of your siblings. That's something that uh, your, your family had decided from the very beginning? Yes. So again, it was my mom who spearheaded it. My <laughs> Basically for most of my journey, it's really my mom is the leader of it and my dad just supports. Um, not in mm-hmm. a bad way, but that's it's mostly my mom always doing. But with my oldest brother, my the first child, uh, Danny, he, when he was born, um, my mom was starting to send him to preschool. And within the first day, he did not like it at all. He was having a ton of trouble. He did not like the environment. And so my mom was like, started thinking, why am I doing this? Again, she was thinking, just why would I do this? And so she pulled him out of preschool and was like, oh, I'm just going to homeschool him. And then from then on, we none of us went, never stepped foot in a school our entire lives because it just didn't make sense. Right. Your mom's my kind of lady. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you guys, so everyone's, no one has been, attended school. You, your parents had their own business, their gymnastics, their gym, um, which is also a, you know, a full, I can see hands-on business as well to keep, to keep going. And you had, uh, sounds like you guys are pretty active already surfing and I'm guessing probably spending some days in the gym since you homeschooled as well too. And then you decided to take things on the road and you'd already been homeschooling. So that I think probably helped the transition a bit as well, being in the RV. And I get you, I understand what you're talking about when you said the one thing was, um, you know, your friends, your, your lived experiences became quite different from the ones you had shared with your friends before. So that transition, I've, I've definitely been through that transition myself and yeah, it, it's a little bit tough for sure having that, you know, that distance growing. Um, but then you, I think, you know, you move into other things as well. So you guys were on the road. You decided to try out the RV for a couple months and it worked. And then you thought, okay, you're going to do this full time. And um, you, you sold what you had to, or you, you pared down, you, you simplified your life. And then where, where did you guys go from there? Have you been traveling the United States fairly full time uh, since then? Or what does it look like for you? So it's been a very interesting journey. Uh, it was very, very much played by ear, no specific plan, um, because my mom loved to just do what she wanted to do in the moment. But yeah, for the first few months of living in an RV, it was a very easy transition as well because um, we were living in a beachfront house and there was a campground that we would stay at every week, go to every weekend. So we just moved down there. So it was basically like a one mile move for the most part. So that's where we started off still staying in an RV life, but still living very simple, very uh, normally how how we did before. And we traveled around the U.S. for a little at first, I believe. It's a little hard to remember those exact details of where I went um, in that first year. But then that was around 2015 when we first started moving, I believe April. And in 2016, uh, my mom said, we should go to Europe because um, not only is my mom a big spearhead or leader for all these events, but my older sister is extremely one of the biggest reasons that we moved into an RV because She's a planner. She loves to see the world and she is just brilliant. And mm-hmm. my mom, for school, because we don't do conventional school, um, <laughs> had her plan a gap year. She was, uh, she's three years older at me. So she was 13. I think she was actually 15 at the time that we did this. Well, anyway, 
but she, my mom told her to plan like what she would do for a gap year. And Gabby planned this, um, she planned this amazing uh, itinerary to Europe. And my mom listened to it. And she's like, I want to do this. And so like, can we do this? And so we decided to fly to Europe that, uh, that year in 2016 for six months and travel through Ireland and Great Britain and through France to Spain to Portugal, all the Western Europe uh, countries. And we just spent six months there. We lived out of a tent for a while. We even camped in an, uh, in an RV. We even, it was all, we tried it all there. So after that for six months, then we came back to the States. And again, we still owned the business at the time or they, my parents still own the business. And so we'd come back in the fall seasons to, the, to run the gym and to build up money. And then again, in the summer, we would travel again. So we, that year, the next year, we traveled a lot around US and to, we love British Columbia. We love uh, Whistler, Squamish area. So mm-hmm. we'd go there a lot. That year too, we flew to Europe. So it was a lot of um, road tripping through West Coast and then fly to Europe. And that's how we'd always honestly do it for these past few years until COVID hit. And we'd have planned a trip to go to Europe, but that had to be canceled because no flights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a though very interesting mix because for the first few years, that's how we'd do it. We'd road trips US, fly to Europe, make money, repeat. And But then we'd, my mom, again, decided to sell the business one year just to do it full time and start a blog to see if it can make us money. And so we then traveled full time. And in 2018, we flew to New Zealand in Bali for um, a couple of months as well. And so that year was especially monumental because one, Bali is an amazing, incredibly different third world country experience that changed my perspective. But then after that, we tried to settle roots again when we flew back to the States and we tried places in Oregon and we decided that, again, it wasn't even working out for us. So after trying to sit still, we moved back into our RV. And yeah, we just stayed that way for a while. So it's always been back and forth through the West Coast and around the world trips. Okay. Okay. So it's a good thing you asked because I know that's one question that I always get is, well, how do they afford to do all this? <laughs> how do they afford to to travel, especially with such a large family? And, um, you know, you know, what did they do to bring in any income or did they already have that nest egg set? Um, so, so that's interesting. Your mom, they, you guys kept running the business for a certain amount of time and then you would leave and then until the business was eventually sold. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like people expect when I say, oh, I travel the world as a teen, they picture kind of the, uh, they naturally picture the entitlement picture, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you're staying at these nice hotels and sitting at pools. Like, no, we're doing, it's usually like you're camping in an art, in a tiny tent with seven people. <laughs> you're doing blitzies at every meal. Like in France, we'd always be like, okay, we're going to go get out for chocolate croissants, but you guys all have to split. So this one's going to be split seven ways and you want to try it all. <laughs> so let's split this one seven ways. So yeah, it's very interesting to it is. Yeah, it's a different, it, absolutely. It's a different shift, right? I think especially when North America is all about the more you have, the more you want and the show of the outside things, right? So it's really getting down to the basics and each other, building that relationship. Because like you said, you're you're literally almost on top of each other <laughs> in a small tent yeah. every night. So it brings a very different perspective. So speaking of that as well, I, I think, you know, it would be really good to tie into like you personally and the work that you're doing now. Um, and I know many listeners 
will enjoy this because number one, many listeners are new homeschooling parents, um, or I have veterans that listen as well, but, you know, looking for answers to many questions that they have. And so many times it's like, well, how are the, how are my kids really going to turn out? You know, they, you know, how, if, if we do this, what's really going to happen to them? What are they able to do? Will I be limiting their choices or opportunities in life if they don't go to school like everybody else or like we think everybody else does? Um, So it's great to hear from a a homeschooler, (laughs) someone who's lived a very different life from the, you know, the beaten path of that many, that many are, are, you know, normal life or quote, normal life are choosing to follow. So right now, I know that you are building your career as well, right? And it's really focused around Mm -hmm. mindfulness. So I want to ask, maybe you can talk about first, because you are doing your, your kids mindfulness coach. Maybe you can talk about first what mindfulness means to you. What mindfulness, how you describe mindfulness and why it's important for you. Yeah. So my lifestyle, uh, people, always, my sister said this a while back when she was filming a video, but um, a quick note is that people, when they say I live or when I tell people that I've traveled the world and lived in an RV, they ask, oh, what did you learn? And they expect this answer like, oh, uh, I learned about geometry and architecture because I saw the cathedrals in France or whatever. And what you realize is that unconventional life teaches you so much deeper than that. It's not a cookie cut, A, B, cookie cutter, A, B, C answer. Thank you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And like people don't realize that life is a teacher. And so by giving people, giving kids, uh, life experiences, it is teaching them how to live and teaching them a unique skill set that will help them through life. And so mindfulness was a part of that for me. Mindfulness was the main thing I learned through my travels because I was seeing the world in such a different lens and I was forced to be present and be aware of my surroundings. And when people hear the term mindfulness, a lot of people I've noticed, uh, mindfulness is a huge trend nowadays, especially among the millennial age of going to yoga, meditating, hyper, all this spirituality. Mindfulness is more, though, than meditation, yoga, journaling, sound bowls, sound baths. It's all that. It is those things, but it's not, it's not just that. And that's something that I really, that travel taught me and that I really want to share with the world because mindfulness is, like I said, in a way, is it's a lens. It's a perspective we see reality it's a mindset. It's a way we uh, enter the arena of life in a way that is aware of others, aware of ourselves, and aware of what's going on around us and living intentionally so that we can show up and fully appreciate where we are and realize who we are so we can live life to the best of the, to the best we can, to the best we desire. And I think this is like something really powerful because for me, when I learned to be mindful throughout my years, it helped me so much, especially if living a different lifestyle. Like I said, I was really ostracized from my friends and mindfulness gave me the tools to realize, oh, this is what I was looking for from them. I needed validation. It helped me understand what my brain was going through as I was experiencing this different reality and how I was struggling and how I was growing and how I was being nurtured. So mindfulness really like sets you up set me up for success, I know, because I would honestly say that without my mindfulness, without this my learning what mindfulness is, I would be on a very different path. And I think it made me in general a much happier person because for me, mindfulness is about 
learning who I am and what I have to offer the world so that I can wake up every day and I can say, I know what I'm doing. I know what I want and I'm happy as I'm doing it. Mm. Wow. That's uh, many people can get to a very old age and not be able to realize that. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. to be able, you know, at 17, that's a huge gift. That's a huge, uh, that's empowering for your life from, for now and many years to come. So how did you, did, did your family practice mindfulness? Is it something that you really came to on your own? What, you know, what was really the opening for you? On that, I, I understand that traveling gave you a different perspective, and the choices your family uh, chose to do and live gave a different perspective. But really, how did you come to mindfulness? That's a really good question, and it's a very interesting one because it's very much a non-linear journey. So it's hard to say when it started and when it really set in. But I know that it was very much a growth for me. I think mindfulness was always something that was cultivated in my household from an early age because like I said, my mom was always been a questioner. She wanted to ask us why. And she even would run classes like homeschooling classes where we, okay, think, uh, ask outside the box questions, think deeper. And she even started, my mom started going to yoga when we lived in that beachfront house. And I started going when I was 10. And so that introduced me especially into what the concept of mindfulness is, though it didn't really stick. But when we moved into an RV, then I realized all those questions that she would ask me, all those uh, pondering and going to yoga, I realized how that mindset could be implemented into life. So around, again, like um, my family is just (laughs) very different in general. So mindfulness was something that's always been tried to incorporate without knowing that it was that we're, we weren't sitting down saying, okay, let's practice mindfulness. It was just something that came naturally that we tried to work on by through questioning. And it, that's what really taught me. It was all those questions and going to yoga. That was really the start, but especially, um, mindfulness was really incorporated for me. And what I really, when I really learned about it was all those moments of stillness, because throughout my travels, I was never at first the very big adventurer. I was more the chill type. I wanted to sit on the beach while they surfed, or mm-hmm. I'd want to sit at the crag is what we call it, the, when they would go rock climb up rock faces. And those moments of just sitting still and allowing yourself to be bored taught me what mindfulness is, uh, really, because I was sitting there and I, was, I had room for thought. I had mm-hmm. room to notice because while my household, uh, I certainly think you, again, you can still learn mindfulness from anywhere and through anything. That's my biggest thing I talk about in my uh, website. But for me, I learned mindfulness in those moments where I had to sit still and with nothing to do. And I had room for thoughts. I could just sit there and think, whoa, whoa. I'm like noticing my thoughts. What, what's this mindset? What I'm noticing the flowers around me. I wasn't busying myself with creative hobbies, with school, with activities. So that was the biggest one for me. Mm, okay. Yeah. You, you, uh, had the, you took the space and time to be present and notice. Yeah, that's a big thing. Um, I know many times <laughs> where, where my time, my space is filled, right, with things or a to-do list and you don't take the time to stop and slow down and look around mm-hmm. you and notice and be present. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the time just becomes filled, right? It becomes filled yeah. and it seems like you go faster and faster and faster. And uh, until you're out of breath at one For point. Sure. Right? And so, I mean, like, we live in a society too, like, especially in America, like you said, where being busy is good. 
to mm-hmm. society. Like, yep. and you know, being busy is good to some extent, but there's some level where you can chill, relax, be present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then your siblings as well. So you're, so are you, I know where you are now, cause we talked about it before where you guys are kind of have your home base at the moment. Is everyone together? All seven of you, are you all together right now? Yes, we are. Okay. We all okay. live together in one happy home. Okay. Okay. And your oldest siblings, um, so you're 17. So you have two older siblings then mm-hmm. you're the middle middle. Okay. Yes. So, so does everyone, does everyone incorporate mindfulness? Do you fight with your siblings or are you the main driver for this? Um, Cause I'd like to talk about your coaching after this too, and, and what you're creating around that, but within your family home, within that nucleus, um, do you find that you are the one who sets the intentions for the family often? Um, honestly, not really. I might, I think I'm the most obsessed um, with mindfulness out of my family. <laughs> I love doing all the journaling and meditation but my family and I, we're, mindfulness is a family journey for us. It's a, it's something that we all do. It's something that we've been doing for a while. I mean, every night we all sit and meditate together. And every day my mom will guide us all through yoga flow. And mindfulness is something that we all try to, like I said, it's been, always been our way of life that we've tried to bring more of. And so it's something that uh, my mom encourages, especially even for my youngest siblings who are um, 10 and 13. They are even, uh, they, when I ran a kid's mindfulness course, they took part in it because they want to learn about mindfulness and mindfulness is something that's all important to all of us. So I'm not necessarily the spearhead for that. I'm not necessarily the leader for that. It's something that we're all very, very passionate about. It's something that we all, in a way, we all value mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so it's what brings us together actually the most, though that's not to say it's not, um, like, um, what is the. Uh, sound of music where we're all holding hands spinning on a hill slope like oh we're so happy there are those moments but that there's still conflict of course that comes naturally with every household so even with mindfulness there's struggle but we're all we realize that with mindfulness we're all in this together and we all want to help each other out and we all learn to be more mindful and understand ourselves better so we can show up better for each other Mm, okay okay so then how and why, or even when, did you decide to move into building a coaching program and supporting other kids with mindfulness? How did that come about for you? I would say that uh, I could I could say that it's always been for ever since we moved into an RV or like the past few years, I've always like approached kids with this mindset of like, oh, let me help you because I know I, I didn't realize I had a different mindset, but I wanted them to understand but really, this mindfulness journey didn't really start until last summer because I was seeing, or more so my mom and me, we're all, we were all really, but we were seeing how much the world was struggling right now. And especially the biggest thing for me was that I was seeing how much, oh my gosh, kids are being trapped in a house um, all day, surrounded by family, on a screen, doing school, disconnected. And while there's some benefits, you could say to online schooling, there's also a lot of new struggles. And kids, I could see, were having so much trouble. I kept hearing it and it just made me so sad because I I never had to go through that. I was always out on the road and connected to nature, connected to other people, meeting people. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, they need help through this. And so my mom said, I never even connected the dots that mindfulness was something that I could teach. But my mom said, why don't you start a class of some sort? We're seeing these kids that need help. And we're seeing these kids that 
you think mindfulness could benefit them, why don't you just teach it to them? Because you have something to offer. And I've never even considered it before, but I said, uh, I'm always open to new experiences. So I said, okay. And that October, I started running this three month, maybe uh, two month mindfulness course for kids online so that they could understand what mindfulness is, how it works, so that how, and how they can implement it into their lives. And after that course, it was like a shift in my brain. I realized, oh, this is what I need to do because I never considered it. I never, mindfulness was just something that was first nature for me. And I didn't realize that kids were missing that. And after this course, I saw the shift in kids and I got so many thank yous and saying like, wow, I feel so my, I feel so much better. I understand better. I feel so much happier throughout my day. That I was like, this is what I need to do. This is, I suppose my gift that I need to share. And that if kids, oh my God. And if kids could just understand this simple concept, it can change so much of how they're walking, going throughout their day so that they can be happier. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's hugely impactful and life-sustaining as well. And I think one of the other things that I heard you say that I th- also think is really important to recognize um, that's real also stuck out to me too, is that, and it's around what you're creating right now with this and what you're offering, because I think for many parents that are listening to this too, you said it, it's beautiful to hear that one, your family and mom are supporting, encouraging you on this journey as well. And you said, you know, and and for you to understand that you have something to offer, which is a huge part of that, because I think many, because you were talking about, you know, you you heard and saw the struggle of, of many families and kids that are at home with COVID, trying to do online school, you know, the world shifted, there's so much uncertainty and, you know, sadness and anger and frustration, grief and loss, all of that accompanied with it. And I, many times I think for kids that are in school, they don't they don't understand or know what they really have to offer the world. And I think many times that comes with always having something dictated to you all the time, not being able to see or try new things or to direct your own way in many times, right? Yes, and for, for sure. and, and for you guys to have that space and support to do so, and for you to be able to understand that you have a huge amount to offer the world. And not only that, see it and understand it and then do that and be in the process of creating that is a wonderful thing. And I love hearing that. And I and I hope everyone listening understands that connection because that's a really, really big thing. And I think that's also part of, you know, how what will my kids do if they don't go to school? How will they turn out? Uh, you know, just like you said, living the experience of life, that that how it's brought you to this place, and which is also a huge place of giving for others and supporting the world as well. So how, what do you see? How would you like this to unfold for you as well? You, you did your first class and it went really, really well, your online class with that. How would you, because I know, I understand how you see this impacting the world as well and kids. And, and I think if, you know, the next generations really incorporated mindfulness, how our world would shift in so many ways. So what would you like to see? How would you like to see this happen? How would you like to be a part of this? Well, I would love to say, I honestly never have seen myself as something, um, I'm going to be this grandiose leader. I just want to do my part in impacting because if you can impact one person, that person will impact one person Mm -hmm. and it expands. But yes, I think the part that I want to focus on playing and that I how I want to see uh, 
this world evolve and how I play an impact in that is that I just want to help people understand how to incorporate that mindfulness in their everyday life. And I want to bring it in a playful way because, like I said, there's so much like uh, mindfulness is trending so much nowadays, but it's so taken so seriously. And I think that's beneficial to some level, but there's also so much because there's so much sadness in the world or so much pain that people are going through, we need to bring some more light into that, bring more yes, joy, that laughter. That's true. Yes. So I want to make sure that I'm just helping people in every way possible, bring playfulness, bring their inner child back into their life, because that in itself is mindfulness and makes it so that you can show up as a better version of yourself. So whether that is through my blogs, my through videos, maybe even starting even more of a curriculum of mindfulness that in the far future for people, uh, then I think that would play an important role. But as far as like the world evolving and how I see it going, I just, I see that if people can learn to be more mindful, if I can help them embrace that inner child, then we can all help each other in our journey, not necessarily uh, understand ourselves so we can be more selfish, but understanding what mindfulness is and just working on being more intentional. I see the world evolving into more intentional living, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think intentionality and mindfulness definitely go hand in hand, right? And and being more intentional, um, yeah, your path is, it, it changes, right? It Absolutely. It's, um, you know, there was a a saying from, and I'm not going to get it right because I can't remember the whole thing, but essentially I think it's Stephen Covey. Covey, Have you ever heard of the seven habits of highly effective people? And there's a whole other series, like seven habits for teens and kids. Like they have a whole Mm -hmm. series. Stephen Covey is actually not even alive anymore. He's passed away, but his was kind of the early ones on um, creating your life and planning it out and really being, you know, you know, make setting your priorities and, you know, different things like win-win, do things that help others, but also, you know, support yourself, but also help others and, um, you know, mindset and different things like that. But one of, one of the, the things he had said was, um, talking about first and second creations and being intentional for me, it reflects to that, how, you know, if we choose to, you know, to be our own first creations, to set in life, our life to be our, our first creations, then they don't become a second creation of somebody else. You know, our life doesn't, it does not become run by others, people's wishes, others' desires, um, following what other people want to do, their fears and their hopes, but making it intentional for it to be our life and our choice, living our own first creations, not living the lives of others. And that's a huge part of intentionality for me. Um, and I think that's extremely important. And being mindful allows you to be present so that you can recognize what your own personal first creation for life is, what you, how you want to create your own life and being intentional about it. So, yeah, I think that's really, really powerful, especially now moving forward. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I, I love how you want it to be playful because I also agree that mindfulness can be like, I think in some ways people have taken it really, really seriously (laughs) and it becomes heavy as opposed to, you know, being present and appreciating all of that around you. Um, 
I think that's great because I don't see a lot now <laughs> making it playful, which is important, the joy of it, right? Yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you do that? Can you give some examples of how you look at that differently, how mindfulness is playful for you and how you hope to support um, bringing the, you know, the inner child, especially working with kids, right? That's so important, having it to be playful. What does that look like? How, how do you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, the reason I feel like I understood it was because <laughs> growing up, I was always, my mom always says like, I was just such a happy kid. I was just playful <laughs> and I spent all my day painting, creating, playing with Polly Pockets. I don't even know if those exist anymore. I remember but, my daughters played with Polly Pockets. Yeah. <laughs> they were fun. Um, but I was just always playful and especially um, RV life as well our life was focused not around seeing the sights and getting to all the cities. It was around play, like, let's go hike, let's go adventure. And so as incorporating that mindfulness mindset, I was also incorporating play and they like merged in this Venn diagram almost and slowly became one. And so that made me understand it. But also because I learned that mindfulness is just a mindset, I would just start applying it to everything I did. And so I, when I started my, uh, I'll give the example, my first kids mindfulness course, I started off and I was trying to just in- explain what mindfulness was. And I went, guided them through, okay, here's like what meditation's like. Let's hold our cup of tea and sip and let's do some yoga. And I, that was a good, I think, intro. But then I realized like, oh, these, I know these kids are bored because I know I would be bored. <laughs> so, like I realized that that was the moment it clicked for me. And I was like, oh, I need to show them what, how I practice mindfulness. And so as crazy as it sounds, I, what I thought when I first pictured this mindfulness class, I pictured myself giving these meditations and sound baths and guiding kids through yoga. But really what I ended up doing was so much more powerful and worked so much was I had to have them legitimately do dance parties. I would play music and they'd I'd be like, just dance. Okay, nice. guys, or um, color this. And because Honestly, I think those two are very important practices. And I especially, I tell people of all ages, just have more dance parties because we do not have enough dance parties as adults, as teens, and even as kids, because we're taking everything too seriously. And the act of just dancing is just an act of vulnerability and expression that makes the way for mindfulness because there's no room for judgment. And so that's like one way that you can practice mindfulness and make it playful. But just having a playful attitude about it as well. So I'll teach um, people, especially kids, uh, fun breathwork practices um, and fun exercise, and I'll create fun exercises like, oh, I have this um, whole blog on how you can decorate uh, sugar cookies at Christmas time to be mindful because if you just, you can apply mindfulness that in the simplest way where you just decorate, uh, you make different color icings and then you uh, make each one a different emotion. And there you go. You're practicing mindfulness while eating cookies. Come on, kids. (laughs) Mindfulness isn't that hard. And by teaching it that way, not only are they having fun and understanding themselves in the process, but they're also making memories that last. So that's like some of the main ways I'll teach uh, mindfulness in fun ways. Um, Dance parties, especially through creativity as well. I'll guide them through art exercises and I'll have them write poems and I'll have them do um, sometimes uh, make arts and crafts of these trees and more things like that as well. Nice. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. And that's so true. I think something like dance where you're moving and all of your senses are used pretty well and just letting go and being vulnerable. That's right. That's absolutely, that's, it's funny because you talk about those things and we, and we think those are simple things in our everyday that we can all do, but yet we don't. 
that's the thing with mindfulness. It's like making the time to do the things that we don't do. I mean, if every if we had made the time to do it, then everyone would be mindful, right? So. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's so true. <laughs> so um, I so what so if you, if I, if you're a parent who you know who's who's listening to you and and says you know what I would like to start supporting that in our family a little bit and with my kids a little bit, what would be some simple steps that you would recommend? Definitely a dance party letting loose and, and doing a dance party and, and doing that. Uh, what are some other things that maybe you would recommend for kids to, you know, or for parents to help support their kids to start incorporating mindfulness and intentionality in, into their days? That is a very good question. And I feel like you could start with a lot of different answers for that one, especially because mindfulness is like a huge funnel that leads or a spider web where you can start on the outside and it leads to the same thing in the end. But some practices I recommend, especially for families with kids who most kids are not going to be ready. Like, yeah, I want to be mindful. Let's meditate. Let's do these (laughs) mindful things. It's very much a foreign concept that seems very silly at first. So the simplest way I recommend, some of the simplest ways I recommend being more mindful in the household is doing basically what my mom did and start asking your kids why questions. That's one of them is that Notice when maybe they're upset or maybe you're just going for a walk or you're out for ice cream. Ask them, maybe they say something, ask why. So maybe you're out for ice cream. They say, oh, I love chocolate ice cream. Why? Why do you love it? Um, Because it tastes good. Why does it taste good? By asking those wise questions, we're diving into the the questioning mindset, the pondering mindset of noticing and we become more aware of our thoughts. So that's one way to practice mindfulness is starting just by simply asking both yourself and your kids why questions. Um, but for exercises specifically, sometimes I, I often recommend that um, starting off with mini meditations, I think is the simplest, most routine way that we can start incorporating mindfulness into a household. And meditation can be very, very uh, intimidating for some people. I know it was even for me at first, but a five minute meditation is just as powerful as a half as a 30 minute one or an hour one. So I recommend for a lot of families uh, a way that if your kids are prepared to do this, just, uh, I do hot chocolate. I recommend doing a hot chocolate meditation. Make a hot chocolate for everyone in your family or a cup of tea. And just for five minutes out of your day or out of your week, just sit and enjoy that. Just sit and enjoy your hot chocolate. No stimulus, no extra entertainment. Just sit with your drink and just notice it. Be there, be present. See if you can have appreciation for it. I think that's a simple way to practice mindfulness. But also um, another one I'd recommend is Finding your, uh, your child's creative outlet. And I think this is a huge one for me, especially because I was always a creative person. And by being creative, you really open up the doorway for mindfulness as well, because there's no judgment in creativity. You're just being present. You're creating. You're having fun. So if your child doesn't have a creative outlet yet, or they don't make time for a creative outlet, help them find that one. And even for the adults, too, and the teens out there, if you don't have a creative outlet, find one now because that'll help you so much with both your happiness and mindfulness in the long run. So those are three things I'd mostly recommend to most families as a way to start incorporating mindfulness as simply as possible. But if you're really interested in self-development, I know I didn't mention that I was going to talk about this earlier, but I'm just going to quickly note on it. Something that helped me a lot and that my family talk about a ton is psychology in our family. And especially, I don't know, have you heard of the Enneagram? I have. And it's funny because it's come up so often for me lately that I I asked a friend, you know, I need to find out my Enneagram. So tell me more because it's something I'm just learning about. But many people around me have suggested it to me. So tell me more about that. Okay. So the Enneagram is something I think is hugely beneficial for 
understanding who we are because the Enneagram is a personality type framework of nine types. And what it basically tells you is not necessarily like astrology, maybe like, oh, I'm an Aries. That means that I'm very loud. It's more so um, like it tells you what your core desire is and what you're looking for in life and what your um, childhood wound is and what your biggest like vulnerable point is. And so by knowing your Enneagram, I know, especially for me, I've always had trouble as a kid and even as a teen, um, I had trouble knowing who I was or understanding myself. I was mindful, but I also would get myself caught in paradoxes of, well, is this true? Is this not true? I'm so confused. And so the Enneagram, when I discovered it, it really helped me understand like, oh, this is my thought process that I didn't even realize was happening. This is why I get frustrated in these situations. So I recommend highly for families who really want to dive into self-development and understanding themselves and really incorporating mindfulness into the whole family, find out each of your Enneagram types. Because by knowing your Enneagram types, you'll know what you truly need out of your day. It gives you so much insight into what you want for your day to be fulfilled. And by knowing that, you can set up both your child's day and yourself, your own day for success and understand yourself better and what you need to grow. And I think that's, yeah, the Enneagram is so powerful for that because it gives you such it's, I've never met someone who didn't fit into one of the Enneagrams. And the Enneagrams is not something that's, oh, we're just trying to fit you in the box and make you um, seem like one dimensional. And if anything, it makes you more four to five dimensional because it helps you understand like why you're doing things. And it's just been so effective even for all my family. And by knowing my family's Enneagram, we've been able to help each other so much more. Like um, I'm an Enneagram type nine. That means I'm called the peacemaker. And my core desire is to have harmony. And I didn't even realize this, but if I look back growing up, all I wanted to do was be comfortable. I would watch, <laughs> my mom makes the joke that I, when I was a baby, I would watch uh, this show, like Baby Einstein, for nine hours or something. And my crib <laughs> was perfectly happy as like a toddler. And whereas my sister, she is an achiever type three personality and her core desire is achievement. And so she needs something so much different out of life than I do. But by knowing that I'm the, a nine who needs harmony and she's a three that needs achievement, we can find common ground so much easier and we can notice when our personality type is getting the best of us or acting out of in an unhealthy manner. Right. Okay. So do you have one that you recommend that, or even a quick one to find out our Enneagram that works for the whole family for parents and kids or just any one well, that we can find? Yeah. So I would recommend... Um, uh, the biggest thing is with the Enneagram, I totally recommend it, but make sure you can do the test, but everyone mistypes. I mistyped, everyone does. So do it with someone you who's close to you, who knows you well. Um, I believe it's this website, I think it's called Psychology Junkie. She has a good test to start with. So I'd recommend starting with that just to get a base and maybe a clue on what type you are. But then I'd also recommend, um, I'm eventually going to have to write a book on it or something, but mm-hmm, not crossing that bridge yet. <laughs> But um, The Road Back to You by Ian uh, Cron, I think, maybe, um, that gives an overview of what the Enneagram is and each type in a very, very simple but uh, applicable manner. And so I'd recommend reading that as well. Within, so those two things, doing the test and then reading the book will give you a complete guide to what your Enneagram is. And then I do have, I mean, after there, you can realize so much of how you need to grow, but I do have um, a course entirely on uh, how to incorporate the Enneagram and use it for mindfulness as parents and kids. 
Oh, awesome. You do. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to include those ones in the show notes, but then I want you to talk about that course and how we can find more about you. Can you talk about your website and those courses as well, how we can find you? Because I want to include those in the show notes too, so that we can, anyone can be directed to be in touch with you too. Okay, cool. So if you want to find more about me, uh, I have, of course, an Instagram, keepitmindful.kids. And that there I post all about my life and what I'm up to and a little bit about mindfulness, though I wouldn't say I'm very consistent on it. <laughs> but That's all right. <laughs> uh, I do have a YouTube channel as well for Making Mindfulness Fun at Making Mindfulness Fun, where we post videos on the Enneagram and chakras and um, mindfulness uh, exercises every day. So if you want, if you do find out your Enneagram type and you want to learn more about it, you should definitely check out our YouTube channel, Making Mindfulness Fun, where you can find more information on that and how it applies. Um, I do put up blogs on makingmindfulnessfun.com on mindfulness for kids, teens, adults, and for Enneagram, and a little bit about the chakras as well. So you can always, people can always go there if they want to learn more, uh, especially about activities to do or understanding thought processes or learning more about how to be more mindful every day. And as far as courses go and things, I do have a $7 bundle of my, the course I ran back in October. I took all the lessons from that course and put it into a, uh, a workbook for kids I'm selling that for only seven. I have it for only $7 and it comes with four other incredible workbooks as well on how to make a mantra, mindfulness activities for everyday life. And, um, so I have that and I have my, you can get my kids mindfulness course that I did live. You people can still get that, that I have, I have it now as non uh, self-guided that you can get, people can get as well. And I do offer coaching of course on our website. Awesome. So if we go to makingmindfulnessfun.com, we can find all of the information on your courses and on your coaching? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I will include all of those in the show notes as well. So if anybody wants, just go to the show notes and click on that. That will take you to do that. Or if they hear that, they can type it in too, but we'll have all of that on there. That's fantastic, Isabel. I um, have really appreciated chatting with you today. I think uh, what you're creating is wonderful. I and what your family has been doing is fantastic, and I love it's inspiring for me too. And you know, it and it's great a, a great reminder for me. I think especially now with being about being intentional and remembering to slow down and stop and be mindful of what's around us and see what's around us and appreciate what's around us. So I really appreciate you connecting with me today. Well, thank you for having me on here. I'm so glad that I got to chat with you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. So um, yeah, I will include everything. I just, I want to support you as much as possible. Uh, I'm going to check out uh, everything that you mentioned here as well. And I encourage our listeners to do the same and uh, they know how to reach you through your website, Instagram, or to see you on YouTube as well. We have all of that. And yeah, is there any last uh, mention that you would like to leave with us before we close out the episode? Sure. The biggest thing I'd recommend to people, especially listeners who are listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I need to start practicing mindfulness for myself, for my teens, for my kids. Remember just to enjoy it. Enjoy the process uh, and practice compassion for yourself and others. And mindfulness is not an immediate journey and it doesn't have an end. It's a journey that you just decide to walk for the rest of your life. So wherever you are, don't hate, meditate, guys. Yeah. Don't, I like that. Don't hate, meditate. 
yeah. So just remember, like, enjoy it. Have fun. Be playful. Enjoy life. Don't don't worry too much about, oh my gosh, I'm not mindful. My kid's not mindful. Their life is ruined. No, it's a journey. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you very much. Those Thank are so words much. of wisdom. And uh, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time. And we'll be in touch again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I know everyone will enjoy listening. And I'm sure there'll be more questions about you in your life as well. So if if you do have more, you can reach out to Isabel or myself. And um, we can connect with that on, on that too. So thanks, Isabel. Thank you.